This is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslexic Eye Radio. Hello, this is Stephen McHugh here for Unique Dyslexic Eye. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Lucia. Lucia is a fourth-year psychology student at Heriot Watt University, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about her experiences of being dyslexic at school, about her experiences of being bilingual dyslexic and the additional challenges that that can bring. She's also going to talk to us a little bit about her experiences at university. Finally, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her dissertation, which is also about dyslexia. Thanks very much for agreeing to come on the show and telling us your story. I very much appreciate it and I'm sure my listeners appreciate it as well. Thanks very much Lucia. Take it away. I'm Lucia Dimeza Obaye and I'm a fourth year psychology student at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh and I'm dyslexic. So today Steve has asked me to do a podcast on my experiences of being dyslexic. So I'm going to start off in primary school In primary school, I was a bit of a daydreamer. I wasn't really the ideal student. I wasn't good at reading, I was really slow at it, and I would misspell words awfully. And I still do to this day. And also, I used to find it really difficult to put my notes onto paper. When I go back to my mum's house and I have this drawer full of all my primary school jotters and textbooks and you know when I flip through my jotters they'd just be full of uncompleted work, writing work. Um, So yeah, I really didn't like writing at all. And another thing that I really hated at primary school was reading out loud. I'm sure you all know, or those with dyslexia know, that it can be a very horrible task when you're dyslexic. I would get really anxious because my eyes would skip words and sometimes skip lines, and that made it quite difficult to read out loud. So when the teacher would look for someone to read a text out loud, I would on purpose avoid eye contact with her. Um, so that she wouldn't choose me. So talking now to my mum about how I was in primary school, she told me that my primary two teacher during parents' evening had told her that I wasn't as bright as the other pupils in the class. I think we, as dyslexics, often feel not capable or stupid But all those horrible feelings can be flipped around when you find something that you're really good at. I'm sure many of you have experienced that. And for me specifically, that was art. When I was really, really little, I think around five, I would go with my granddad to painting classes and I would really enjoy them. Painting was something that I had picked up really quickly and it wasn't like writing or reading that I struggled doing. No, this was quite easy and I never struggled. In school, I would love drawing and painting too and it was a massive self-esteem boost when people would pick me to do the pictures on posters or ask me to help them draw something. (laughs) So it was good that I also had 
the knowledge that I was good at something, not that everything that I did was bad. So after primary school, in high school, I had come up with many coping strategies that kind of allowed me to fit in with neurotypicals or the, with the rest of my peers. I was still pretty bad at spelling, um, but I used things like a spell checker that really helped me in school. I still really liked art, um, but my interest kind of shifted to science and French. I really liked French. I think it's because these subjects didn't really require a lot of writing. Well, French did, but it also had things I really liked, like speaking and comprehension. And I, out of the sciences, I especially liked chemistry. I think it's also a lot to do with the teachers who taught these subjects because they were, you know, the best teachers, for, in my opinion, in the school. Um, so that really made me engage in these kind of subjects. I think it's because you kind of, because we're emotional thinkers and we kind of link these teachers to the subject, you know, unconsciously, you know, they give us a good feeling. We're very empathetic. Yeah. So I was performing quite well in class in high school. But when I was older and I had to do exams, that's when, you know, my performance went downhill. And these are kind of one of the main indicators of dyslexia where, you know, in person you seem to be doing quite well, but when it's written down or it has just something to do with literacy skills, you see a decrease or a discrepancy between these two things. However, I think no one even thought dyslexia as a possibility for me because they would often get confused the thought that I was bilingual and that I wasn't good at English because I was bilingual or I was making all these spelling mistakes because English was not my first language. That was actually not true. I was born in Scotland and I had been all my life I had done all my education through the Scottish education system. I was fluent completely in, in English. However, because I could also speak Spanish well, they, and my parent, my, my mum was Spanish, they thought that I wouldn't be as good as English. So they used it kind of as an excuse to not dig deeper into my problem. Actually, there's a funny story. Very recently, one of my closest friends, who I have known for since forever, she was telling me that, sorry, the topic came up about uh, phonetics and dyslexia. And I explained to her that the reason I pronounce many things wrong is because dyslexics have a problem with phonetics. And she was like, oh, really? I thought that's because you were Spanish. Um, so it's just funny to know that, you know, many people believed that 
and my friend still does believe that many of the mistakes I did was because there was a complication with me being bilingual, which is is not true because many other bilinguals don't have these problems. It's dyslexia. So I think this is one of the main reasons why it took so long for people to realize that I had dyslexia. It was actually my French teacher who by that time had been my teacher for two years that actually took me aside um, one class and um, you know presented to me the possibility that I could be dyslexic. I was mixing words, letters in the word up um, when I wrote French and often my essays were not really structured properly and you know she saw this as an indicator to dyslexia. So I started to do more research into it and the more I read the more I identified these difficulties with myself. I was screened for dyslexia in my last year of high school by a teacher who was in support for learning and screening, I don't know if you know, is kind of different from a diagnosis. Screenings just give a kind of estimate as to whether the child um, or the person is likely to have dyslexic difficulties and sometimes screenings can also offer a more detailed profile of your strengths and weaknesses. So my screening said that I was very highly likely to be dyslexic but it wasn't an official diagnosis. I was given more time in essays after my screening and this really helped. I think it's the thing that most helped me. You know, we take longer to process things so it really allowed me to perform my best in exams. My grades went from being mm, C's, D's and maybe sometimes B's to A's and B's, you know, very high grades. Um, so I was very thankful that they did that for me. They also did something quite weird. They diagnosed me, or not diagnosed me, screened me and saw that I was quite possibly dyslexic, but then gave me some books for spelling and that was it. They never gave me anything more, just extra time and a couple of books. My mum was quite angry, she's a really good mum, um, and you know, she decided to step in and contacted the school and said that it wasn't enough, that I was just diagnosed and that was it. It was good that I was getting extra times, time in exams, however, how does do I study? You know, how do I learn to understand what dyslexia means? They never provided me with any of this information of how we learn differently from neurotypicals. Don't get me wrong, the diagnosis or the screening did liberate me in some way to know, oh, I know what's going on now. However, it didn't fully benefit me because 
they didn't provide me with support. I think this made me give up all my hopes when I entered higher education. I had gone directly from high school to university and my first year of uni I didn't really go to the student support services because I just thought what's the point if they're just you know going to diagnose me again and that's it. However in the second year, so the first year I didn't apply or do anything but second year it started getting really really tough. Um, I couldn't really deal with the um, level in, in university at that time and I just need I needed extra help I, I all this coping strategies that I had built up since high school weren't really working for me with this higher workload so that's when I decided to go um, to student support services um, I got an official diagnosis by a educational psychologist which highlighted to me my strengths my weaknesses and you know the support I need um, that's tailored to me and through things like sorry I mean through the DSA I managed to get this diagnosis um, and also receive the support I need like the study skills support that um, Steve is a part of that has really really helped me understand my dyslexia, how I learn differently, things like how dyslexic memory works that you know you really need to know um, to study effectively and how to take alternative routes to get past the obstacles that you know education kind of has for dyslexics. So this is my experience with dyslexia and I am still in the learning process of understanding myself but without the DSA and the support they have given me I don't think I would be here today. I love thinking the way I think. I just needed time and support to understand it better. On that note um, I'm going to talk a bit about the dissertation I'm doing at the moment as it's mainly based on my experiences in education with dyslexia. So my dissertation kind of explores whether the time of diagnosis, so this is either late or early, can have an impact on the perceived academic success of dyslexics. So this is based on the idea that even though we are told all the time that the earlier you are diagnosed, the more effective the educational interventions are, so the better it is. I personally think, um, through my own experience, that in practice, people who are getting diagnosed early aren't really getting the support needed to help them. So they're left with this label and are stigmatized but they have no support or understanding of what dyslexia actually is. Therefore it kind of makes them feel helpless and they don't tend to 
achieve academically, even they even though they have the potential. On the other hand, I think that, or what I my hypothesis is, is that those who are later diagnosed may have come up with coping strategies um, to try and fit in, and also they don't have the stigmatization of being dyslexic. Therefore, they face fewer barriers or difficulties in the education system and tend to do better academically than earlier diagnosed. So in my dissertation, I'm going to try and explore this hypothesis a bit further. I also want to kind of look at trends in who is being diagnosed early and who's being diagnosed later. I think that socioeconomic status may play a role and maybe even race. I think that even though there's a lot of research in dyslexia um, and we know much more now than we did even 10 years ago, this information is still not being kind of projected in schools and teachers and even dyslexics themselves don't fully understand what it is to be dyslexic. So yeah, and I think it's quite, sorry, I think it's quite well seen that in primary school many people don't get a lot of support because it's not really in the primary school's interest, um, whereas unis who who are kind of judged by how well people do really care for their students and therefore spend much more helping them. But I think that there should be a system that provides equally good support in primary school as there is in university. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me on your podcast. And also thank you so much for all your support during these years of your study support. This is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslexic iRadio. Thanks very much for telling us your story, Lucia. I'm sure my listeners, including myself, enjoyed listening to what you had to say and can all empathise with your experiences of being dyslexic. Thank you once again. You'll have to come back and let us know how your dissertation went. I'm sure my listeners, like myself, would like to hear about that. Now, if you would like to tell your story to my listeners, please contact me on Steve, S-T-E-V-E, underscore McHugh, M-C-C-U-E, at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can catch me on my Unique Dyslexic Eye Facebook page or my Dyslexic Eye Twitter. So finally, I'd like to ask all my listeners out there to help the channel. It would be fab if you could subscribe, keep up with the show. It would be fab if you could leave us a like or even just leave us a comment. That's It would be really fab. It would help us out a lot. If you have a question that you'd like me to answer about my experiences of being dyslexic or anything else to do with dyslexia or neurodiversity, just leave me a question. Uh, I I'm happy to try and answer anything I can about dyslexia and neurodiversity. So I'm just going to say now it's uh, peace, love and grooviness to everybody out there. Please share the show. As I said, please subscribe. Leave us a like. It would really help us out a lot. Thanks very much. Bye. This is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslexic. I Radio.